Hey everybody, The Vern here, just giving you a quick introduction before this episode begins. Now, if this is your first time hearing Cinema Recall, you might want to go back and listen to our previous episodes. On uh, those, me and a guest discuss iconic moments in movies. This one is different. I decided to bring along a panel of film experts and podcasters to discuss about film criticism and what makes a good film critic. And there were a lot of great guests on this episode, as you will hear later on. I have to give a shout-out to Dana Butler. He is the host of How Is This Movie Podcast. He is a wonderful guy who had to drop out at the last minute. We miss him dearly on the show, but we urge everyone to please check out his podcast. Dana Butler breaks down the history of how movies are made and how they came to be. It's an amazing show, and I urge you to check it out, and you can find that on hitmpodcast.blogspot.com. So, just want to give a quick shout-out to him. I hope he's doing well, and he will be a guest on an upcoming show. But, enough of me dabbling around right now. Let's get on with this week's episode. Thank you. This podcast is a proud member of the That Moment In Podcast Network. Check out the network at thatmomentin.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Cinema Recall Podcast over at ThatMomentIn.com. I'm your host, The Vern, and I have with us today a panel of film experts here in the studio with me here right now. I have with us, if you need advice on who's going to win the Oscars or any award shows, you must visit NextBetsPitcher.com and its host, Matt Naglia. Hello, Matt. Hi, hi, hey, what's up? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, and to his left, my right, we have with us the two hosts of the In Session Film Podcast, the podcast which reminds me of Siskel and Ebert, except neither one of them is overweight or loses oh, their hair. That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> It's like all of a sudden the tip was getting bigger, and then it started to shrink just a little bit. You know, you did just compare JD to Ebert. I just want to point that out there. <laughs> that makes me Cisco. I kind of I don't know if I feel bad about that. He was kind of the jerk of the group. <laughs> but these are very professional podcasters, uh, Brandon J. Cassidy and JD Duran. Hello, folks. Hey, Hello. thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, maybe I should actually, uh, JD, so the audience knows who you are, say hello to the folks there, JD. Hey, I'm here. Uh, my kid may show up during this episode, so we may have a fifth, uh, but uh, I'm very happy to be here. Hey, Sam's a cool kid, so that's totally cool, all right? Uh, and uh, Brendan, say something. Ah, uh, great to be here, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, I am equipped with my bottle of bourbon and my bottle of beer next to each other because that's the only way I can survive this podcasting world is by combining alcohol. I'm a dangerous man. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm over here with cough drops because I've got <laughs> a damn cough, which I'm sure will make it appear. You know, episode. we were talking about this offline. I keep on suggesting it. Try some bourbon, man. Maybe yeah. that'll help. Yeah. Well, bourbon helps like- everything. You, like, share with me? I mean, you're the one hogging it all yeah. over there. Um, I'm trying to think how we can share it on Skype, but, I mean, you're only all the way in New York City, so it might not be that far for me. I'm only in Philadelphia. Yeah, just throw it, Brendan. Throw the mic. Give it to everybody, all right? I mean, I was thinking about just walking next door. <laughs> Which reminds me, Brendan, we have to meet up at some point. There is we no really, excuse. I know, yeah. It, it, we have to plan that. Let's. Uh, We'll talk about that offline. Yes. So I put this episode together because I recently saw something online. So a movie called Gotti just came out, starring John Travolta, that got a 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes. But now they they started to put up these ads saying that the critics didn't like it, but audiences do, all right? So who are you going to believe? The audiences or some troll behind the keyboard? And I really want to get into your guys' opinions about critical scores versus audience scores 
and whether they really mean anything or not. Uh, and since you're all professional Christian podcasters, um, let's start with you, JD. What, what's your take on this whole critical score versus audience scores? Well, the first thing that I need to note is that critics do not have any sort of agenda. They're not being paid by Disney, despite nope. what trolls online you know, want to think. That is mm, not the case. Now, I do think having a disparity in terms of the scores is um, important, or it, it can certainly offer some insight, because the regular Joe Schmo off the street, when they go into a theater to watch a movie, they're not watching it through a critical lens. And so they're going to have a different experience than the critic. Uh, but I think what the critic offers is equally as, as valid. Obviously, they're going to break it down, hopefully, in a more objective way um, that gives the viewer an insight into what the experience is like. And for cinephiles like us, um, we love that even more because it certainly taps into our sensibilities of how we enjoy and perceive art. Um, so I, I do think there's merit to both of them, um, and I don't think there has to be some sort of war as far as critics versus audiences. Mm -hmm. I think there's a line that we can ride where both of them can coexist, and I, I, there just needs to be a mutual understanding of what each of them represents. And I feel like there's a haziness regarding that, uh, which is, I think, caused a little bit of riff. Um, and also part of this is also marketing, right? In terms of Gotti, they're trying to to poke the ribs of critics and audiences because they're trying to sell a movie. And so that's, that's you know, equally part of the equation. But um, I just, I think sometimes this gets, you know, a little overblown. Um, but I, I guess to my main point, I, I think both of these scores do have a place maybe just need some clarity on what each of them mean. Right. Well, let me ask you this, Matt. Uh, since you do host the Nest Best Picture Podcast, the only site to get all of your updates about Academy Awards, Golden Globes, Cannes Film Festivals, when you see a film that's being marketed towards award show season and all that, um, like how do you sort of like take something like Critical Store versus audience scores uh, when it comes to people pushing movies out to be award favorites? Um, I like to look at it from this perspective. You know, based on the, your question and how you're asking it, if I'm an Oscar voter and I'm sitting at home and I have an entire pile of screeners that I need to somehow get through over the <laughs> Christmas break vacation and then figure out my nominations or winners for the awards based on this humongous stack of movies, I'm not going to be able to do it. What the critics do and what they help out a lot with is they kind of help you to sort through that pile and to kind of try to figure out then what is maybe potentially worth watching uh, from an objective standpoint, what might just be up my alley from a subjective standpoint and you just go from there at that point. I think that critics are mostly a guide. They're not the be-all, end-all. You are the be-all, end-all at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, no, very good, very good. I guess what I was trying to get to my point of the whole thing is because each movie they always have, like, for your consideration, and they put out screeners. Have you ever seen a movie that had bad critical scores that still tried to get a four-year consideration or oh all the time absolutely really especially if it's yeah. you know mm -hmm. a film that you know is being positioned for awards and doesn't do well and it's kind of like a blindsiding uh thing for the studios where they're like oh i thought we had this huge hit on our hands i i i thought that billy lynn's long halftime walk was gonna be a slam dunk yeah. and it, it's not and mm -hmm. so yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> certain things happening sometimes. Um, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes the studios get the hand and they decide to put their money um, elsewhere, which is a smart move for them to do such a thing. And they're being very wise because they don't want to fight a losing battle in that situation. But, yeah, no, sometimes it does happen. Okay. All right. Um, well, I kind of agree with you guys. And I haven't heard from you, uh, Brendan. I mean, what is your kind of thoughts about – because – Recently, 
I saw an article over at, uh, oh gosh, I think it was Screen Rant, talking about cinema scores versus Rotten Tomato scores and how <laughs> they both don't actually equal up with each other. Um, just mm-hmm. want to get to, into your opinions about that, especially with a movie like, for example, uh, Mother or like Wolf Creek, um, movies that mm-hmm. got an F cinema score, but they got like a, a B or like a 85, 65% Rotten Tomato score. And, you know, how do you think that can affect audience choices? Well, I think uh, the way it plays into that is we have to really understand that things like Rotten Tomatoes and CinemaScore really work as aggregators. They're not an end-all, be-all representation of the film's quality, and they also serve as very different aggregators, meaning they collect input from a very different type of demographic. And as much as we like to joke about something like CinemaScore providing very low grades to movies that people like us may have loved like for instance hereditary pretty recently especially pretty much all the horror films from 824 i think are a great example of this and that also Mm -hmm. goes back into perhaps just the marketing strategy behind those films giving people what they didn't expect but we also have to know that things like cinema score it's taking into account People who are going to that specific movie opening night, which are most likely going to be fans of movies like the Transformers franchise, for instance. And so it's it's a very specific type of audience that it's pulling. But for that specific movie, it actually serves as a pretty good representation because I think it actually does give uh, sort of an eye view of that specific audience member thinking, I wonder as a fan of this franchise if I should go see it, but if it's working for them, maybe it will work for them. So I, it's all about audience perspective, and I think the job of the critic is, you know, we have to be open-minded about these things, and when we think about film, we have to think about it through the lens of its intended audience in mind, and with that mentality, that's kind of the way for that coexistence that you were talking about, Katie, to feel even more possible than anything mm-hmm. else. Let's not forget, as movie critics, you know, we're moviegoers too. We want to come out of a movie with that movie's intended goal and feel a sense of enjoyment out of it. I think we just have to understand that these aggregators take different audience members into account. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Now, main reason why I put you gentlemen on the show is because you're all highly professional about your art and your reviews. So jump in here. I just want to hear from you. What makes a good critic? And anyone can just try to jump in because there's like a whole bunch of bloggers and there's a whole bunch of podcasts on the web and the site and everything. And how do you distinguish one who is serious about his craft versus one that is just trying to get hits on their site? I, I, sense there. I literally said this to somebody earlier today. It, it's not so much like there is a right way and there is a wrong way. I cannot fully say in good conscience that I know the answer to this question. I have my own idea of it, and that's what I'm going to share with you. Mm-hmm. I do believe that anybody can say if they anybody can say that they liked something or didn't like something but a film critic will take that a step further a film critic will take the time to explain in detail what they did and didn't like and usually this either involves a long discussion via podcast or a long written essay and I think they also do their jobs on another level if they're not just analyzing a film's technical qualities, which is surely a part of it from time to time, but that's really all subjective. The object, the objectivity part portion of it comes from how well they empathize with the characters, the story, and then search for the parallels and hidden truths within that story and somehow either tie it back to modern times of today or are able to view it through the perspective of the times in which it is set and, you know, draw some conclusions based upon that. It's not as simple, I liked it, didn't like it, and here's why. It it goes a lot deeper than that if you Mm -hmm. take the craft seriously. Yeah, and I think even to what Matt is saying, there's also an element that 
you know, and this goes back to something that Brennan was saying that we are people like critics are people too. So they have feelings, they have different backgrounds and upbringings, and that's going to influence how they perceive a certain film as well. So even when it comes to a film's themes and what it's, a you know, attempting to say, and you can view that through, you know, our modern landscapes and, you know, different parallels the film may be making, but people can still read a film very differently because, we're all different and we all have different backgrounds. So there's still subjectivity to it. And I think for me, the biggest thing, there's actually two components to it for me. And and the first component is what Matt is saying is being able to articulate what a film is aiming to do. Like being able to break down, here's how the performances are working. Here's how the technicalities are working. Here's how the direction is working. And, and you're able to paint a picture for you know the listener or you know or, or whoever's reading the review you're able to give them uh, a, a view of how the film is working through all of its different nuances the other thing for me um, is uh, I want my critic to be open-minded and sometimes I feel like because we are people uh, and we are flawed that a lot of us fall into these traps but this is the the main thing for me is I try to be open-minded to every single film I go into, and I feel mm-hmm. like there, there. Sometimes critics will cling on to biases, um, and and that comes through vividly for me. Oh I feel yeah. Like, I feel like whenever Michael Bay has a film coming out, regardless of what it is, people have already written their reviews a year in advance, and I don't think that's very fair. And so yeah. I think as a result, when I talk about Michael Bay. People kind of, you know, claim me, you know, to be some sort of homer or whatever toward Michael Bay, but it's not, it's not so much that as much as I'm trying to look at what I think he's doing objectively versus the subject or my subjective reactions to it. Um, and, and sometimes there is a disparity there. Um, or it can be on the opposite side of things. You know, you know, you, 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 you love a certain director so much that when he, you know, he comes out with a film and it's bad, that maybe sometimes you're a little bit more positive to it. And mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand and be willing to admit that I fell into those traps. I with, think we've all done with, it. With, with like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, but my point in, in, in all of this is to say that critics, while they have to be able to articulate what makes a film great, they also have to go in very open-minded, lay all of their preconceived notions, all of their biases at the door, and walk in with a clean slate so they can experience the film for what it is and then be able to talk about the film for what it's a, what it is without getting bogged down by politics or preconceived notions. You, yeah. know, you know what, as I'm listening to you, J.D., you know what, like, is kind of, it's all kind of crystallizing for me and what it's all, like, kind of being summed up as is just be honest is yeah. really, I, I, I think, yeah. the way, the best way to approach it. If you If you're not being honest... Like, if you're trying to put on a show for people or, you know, just like we were kind of saying before, not taking it all that seriously, um, or you're trying to maybe have it too many ways because you're worried about offending people, you want to please these people, et cetera, et cetera, you know, just be honest. That's that's really, I think, the, the the most simplistic way if somebody were to ask me, oh, like, I want to start writing movie reviews. Here's my number one piece of advice. Be honest with yourself. Well, that's yeah. one thing I want to say yeah. thing to you, Matt, because I'm sure that both you, uh, JD and Brendan, and myself <laughs> as well, I did screeners of companies sending me movies. Want me, want me to review their movies. I'm sure that happens for you. You write a review for their feature, and you're being honest about them, and then they are not <laughs> as much contact with you anymore. Like... I've had one situation where I had a distributor contact me about reviewing a film. They were going to have the director and the actor appear on a podcast. I wrote up my review, and then I never heard from them again. Has that ever happened to you before? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And But like, how do you handle stuff like that? Because we, as a uh, movie critic and podcaster, I want to have more independent filmmakers appear on the show and I want to support the films and everything too and I, I I try to do a fair and balanced review where I mention positive things 
as well as the negative. I, I try to make my reviews mm-hmm. not negative all the time. I try to do uh, a positive and negative, yeah. just like uh, Brandon, JD, and you do, uh, Matt. And I just mm-hmm. want to ask you, I mean, how do you hold that line there uh, to get more people interested in your show so that you'll get contacted by more people? Because I would hate for someone to read a review and think that I full out hate the filmmaker just because I don't like their movie. I, I actually put a disclaimer in pretty much every email that I write, and I pretty much lay it all out there, and I say there there will be times where I may have some harsh things to say about a particular piece of work that you are pushing or you know publicizing. It is not meant to be taken personally. Um, I, you know what I think what most people need to understand is that films are not scarce. There are so many coming out every single mm-hmm. weekend, nearly every single day, that if I think that one movie is bad, that should not be the end of a relationship. Maybe if there is a pattern of behavior where mm-hmm. the last 20 movies I've seen have all been harsh, negative reviews, that might warrant a conversation. But if one film you, you know, let me see um, I didn't particularly like and you choose not to use that review for your publicity fine by all means yeah and if there's a movie that I do happen to like I do tend to go over and beyond with not just a written review but then I say what else can I do is there any way I can help promote like these news articles that you guys have can I do an interview with someone can I like I, I try to make it up to them when I do get passionate behind something and I, and then so far, so, you know, so far with the exception of like one or two instances, um, the relationships have worked out quite well where I don't have to compromise myself and my voice. Um, and I don't feel that I'm being strong armed or anything like that, you know, we're pressured mm-hmm. to do, do such a thing. Yeah. And the artist being the director or even the actor should always go into these situations aware that their art is not going to be comprehended in the same way, whether that's positive or negative. Sometimes that's why I get a little bit uh, pushed away when I see certain articles or just comments where someone may say, oh, this certain critic didn't get it or uh, and, and if it's coming from someone that actually is partly responsible for that product or movie that had actually come out and i think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the open-mindedness that critics need to actually employ and it has to be something that people are able to easily see and recognize because we always try to look at films not just for what its intended goal and audience (laughs) is but whether the function of that film is succeeding in what that film is ultimately trying to do it's about sharing varying perspectives that make you look at the art from multiple points of view and make you kind of make you think i didn't think about that right there that's that's kind of the point of it but as long as the artist is able to go in with that notion maybe they can help communicate that sense of open-mindedness even better too okay very good very good all right glad to get that points everybody um well i need to do this right now I'm going to take a uh, small break to play some ads from some other great podcast shows, and then we'll be back. We'll return after these messages. Hi, I'm Nick from the Nick Events Podcast. I want to let you know about a new podcast I'm launching next month. It's called the St. Paul Filmcast, where each week, me and my co-host Dan will pick one classical film to review. We'll also will be discussing new films, modern films, new releases, and other aspects film-related. You'll find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can already find our podcast on Twitter, at St. Paul Filmcast, and Instagram. I hope you give us a listen. Thank you very much. And I can't save you. Hi, this is Tony, the host of the Flix X-Ray podcast. Each week, I am joined by guests. Hey-oh. Hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and X-Ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. 
And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. And we are back, everybody. Thank you very much for sticking with us so far. Um, now, we got into kind of like what you think makes a good critic. Um, now, on the break there, I had to take a quick break because I had to pull up this article that I wrote many years ago, and I call it the Ten Commandments for Cinephiles. All right? And I Ooh, think. Oh, I this, like the sound of this. All right? And if you don't <laughs> mind this, I'm going to read this really quickly, okay? Let's see if I'm a sinner. (laughs) (laughs) So, number one, thou must watch all genres. If you will never watch a foreign film or Western or flat out refuse to watch any movie before 1969, it's hard for me to consider you as a serious cinephile. You are a movie fan, but not a movie buff. That's number one. Okay. Yes. I I think that's a very fair point. I totally agree with that. Number two, Thou must never speak badly of a movie until they actually see it. Now it's one thing to trash. Amen. Amen. It's one thing to trash <laughs> on a movie's trailer. If it doesn't appeal to you, that's fine. But you can't say the movie is shit just because you saw a poster or a TV spot. You have to actually yeah. see the movie. All you, you're doing is you criticizing pred- the marketing there. Can you make a yeah. prediction that you think it might be shit? Yeah. Well, yeah, you well, can do that. that. Well, that's different then. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That's not saying the movie's shit. That. That's you see. Okay. Number three, thou must never insult another critic. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, listen, this is a tight knit community and relationships are really everything. You may not see eye to eye. And yes, there are some people that I will admit to give um, the field a bad name sometimes. Mm-hmm. But. I, I definitely – and I know this because I've had people do this for me when I didn't even ask for it. I think that lending out a helping hand and trying to help guide um, those people that you feel might be um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? You might deem to be unsavable. Um, I think that it, it's very, very important that we all kind of try to help support one another because there is – you know, to kind of bring this all home, there, there, there is this weird divide happening right now with critics and audiences, and I do think that critics need to be banding together more strongly, not to combat audiences, but to just better have empathy and understanding and really just try to just make the world a better place. Is that too much to ask? Here, here. It's not too much to ask. If I, if I may jump in there a little bit, I think as as much as critics are going to try and band together to actually try and accomplish that as you're saying that, whether it happens or not, I think there's going to be audiences that won't let it happen. I think we're, we're sadly in a social media-driven age where it's so much easier to just call things out with an antagonistic nature that I don't think that's ever going to go away. And it's at least (coughs) as as communication continues to uh, evolve in this age, I just I think it's going to be really difficult at that point, which is kind of unfortunate. I think it really is. And the whole Gotti example that we brought up earlier, I think, is even a better example of that, too. Even the marketing campaign behind Gotti has been attacking certain individuals on Twitter and not just giving the whole idea of that a bad name. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. Right up there. All right. Uh, number four, thou must learn to take crit- criticism themselves. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ab- if if someone you know disagrees with yeah. your thoughts, uh, I just hate it when I see people post comments about the Raider being a moron just because they disagree with their views. All right. Um, any any time, in my opinion, any time like a writer or a critic com- calls someone else's thoughts moronic or anything with the words like stupid, idiotic, or anything like that, mm-hmm. you have automatically lost every ounce of my respect. I think that is yeah. the worst thing that you can do because. I think the most rewarding thing about film criticism is when you have a discussion, even if it gets passionate and maybe a little bit uh, fisticuffs at times, 
if you disagree, that is awesome because I think that is yeah. very fresh. I love that. And that's why these last two commandments are kind of intimately connected, they right? Are, yes. Because because even as critics, I mean, and obviously all of us can attest to this, we've all had conversations on films where we disagree with each other. Yeah. But we're not going out of our ways to call each other one stupid or anything like that because at the end of the day, like Matt was saying, we're in this together. So the two go very much hand in hand. I, I might be confused. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sure, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, there might be a scenario where I'm like, really? You did like <laughs> Well, yeah, I, that's, I, okay. well that's perfectly okay. I, and I asked this question the other day on my own show um, when we were talking, we were talking about a subject similar to this. We all agreed that the better reviews that we've done on podcasts are the ones where we all disagree as opposed to the ones where we all agree. I do think that the ones where you agree, maybe you can cover more ground because you're not trying to argue points back and forth and so on and so forth. Yeah, Yeah. more thematic and a bit more heavy and things like that. Yeah, you can cover more film's plot and like other bullet points you want to touch upon because things are just moving along smoothly, you know? Yeah. And then you come up into a review where you disagree, and sometimes that conversation can overtake the entire episode, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Huh. But it's more fun, though. I don't know. I, yeah. I've always just yeah. found it more interesting because at the end of the day, <clears throat> human behavior fascinates me. Yeah. The way that people perceive information fascinates me. I am very fascinated in knowing what other people think. But all I ask in return is that you communicate it to me properly, not just mm-hmm. in a few short characters and especially a few short characters that just say, I think you're wrong or this is stupid or something like that. That's not mm-hmm. – that that doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. All right. Number six, thou shalt never give up thy integrity. So basically yeah, what I'm, I'm saying yeah, there yeah. is that uh, – don't just write a positive reviews in the hopes that you'll get more hits on your site. Or if someone yeah. gives you a screener, yeah, no. don't just write a positive review because you think that your quote will appear on their movie bots or poster. Yeah. People yeah. The, same thing, the same thing can be said about negativity, too, because yeah. sometimes negative posts garner a lot of attention, maybe for different yeah. reasons, but they still do. It's it, it has to be honest, as you are saying earlier, Matt, and I think that's a big part of it. Right. Number seven, thou must keep up with the future, but never forget thy past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I'm talking about is because movie technology keeps getting bigger and bigger with like digital cameras and 3D technology, and soon we're going to have holographic cameras and whatnot. But let's not forget about uh, movies from the past and things being shown on film and teach mm-hmm. people about uh, different aspect ratios and um, how mm-hmm. films were like marketed. Um, that's what I was trying to say with that. Um, number sure. yeah. Number eight. Thou must always keep networking. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, responding yeah. to you know comments on your site and having guests on your podcast. Uh, tweet out to people. Um, just keep yourself more connected. Comment on people's sites, even even if you disagree with them. That's great. Healthy debate is always good to have on a site. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number nine, thou must always keep writing, or in our case, podcasting, or doing both at the same time. Uh, the more that you write or put out there, uh, the more you will get audiences to actually go and listen to your show or read your articles. Yeah, and J- the better JD's that you'll the one get who taught me this. JD is the one who taught me consistency is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And look where you are now, Matt. You're coughing yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> I feel so grown up. How's that old ad go? I'm a kid now. <laughs> That's okay. Out of all of us, Matt's going to be, you know, the celebrity rising star critic out of this entire panel. So, oh, no, come on, listen to me. I already think you guys are rock star celebrities. So, <laughs> thank you. Wow. And We're very proud of you, though, Matt. Oh, so much love. See, this is what this is what we need. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we need in the podcasting world. See, you're listening, everybody? Exactly. Love. Yeah, that's called love. Yeah. All you need is love. And the last one, number 10, thou must always remember to have with fun. Don't ever forget that you're watching movies for the fun of it. Um, get yourself immersed into the storyline. You're writing stuff. You're doing podcasts just because you love 
the arts and movies, and you love the way it made you feel. And that yeah, was... as, as simple as that notion is, that is p- perhaps the most important of all of these, quite honestly. This, this might be where I might become a sinner, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, say, I say this because uh, every single year, every year in the springtime, I do have that moment where I say to myself, why, why am I still doing this? Do I have to be doing this? Like, do I really have to be dragging myself to the theater right now to be seeing this, you know, whatever there, this is. There and are times he, it becomes a chore. That is fair. Yeah, but then I do remember that this is only a fleeting moment and the good far outweighs the bad. And mm-hmm. yes, commandment number 10 is extremely important because at the end of the day, you can't lose that sense of fun. Once you start to treat yeah. it like work, it will become like work. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and for those of us that have dedicated so much of our time and energy and major portions of our lives towards this amazing art form Mm -hmm. i I can't imagine ever getting to such a dark place like that that i would lose my sense of fun and like have to give it up i I just can't yeah i was i was actually having a conversation about this exact thing last night i went to see uh the new mr rogers movie documentary and um i was having a conversation with a friend about how you know, we we've been doing this show for five years. This this is actually we're in the middle of our sixth year of doing this, and I'll, and and when you you know embark on you know something like this, you obviously go to the theaters way more than you might as just a general movie fan. And while it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day routines of you know posting things on the website, updating pages, you know creating content for the show, you know writing notes for the show, which is in my case a, a lot of time, um, and then you're networking like you've been talking about. There there are so many things that go into just the day to day. Plus there's all of the negativity of social media that you can get caught up in that is so exhausting, especially around awards time that is really difficult to get through, but Mm-hmm. Every single time I walk through the doors of a movie theater, it's like all of those things completely disappear. You know, after after five years of doing this, I walked into a movie theater last night, and I still have the same uh, magical feeling, like just yes. being able to sit in a theater seat doing something that I love. Um, is it's it, it that to me is what keeps me going. Like that feeling is. There's, there are very few things that can match it, and mm-hmm. and that and that's what keeps keeps me going. And I think it's very important to cling on to, you know, that inner core of you know of why we do these things, and to have fun with that. And, yeah. uh, and assuming I, people actually keep quiet in the movie theater during those times, <laughs> but you know that's another discussion for another time. Uh, we people can't forget that. Like you're saying, JD, we do this because we love movies. You know, we we love this art. We love talking about it, and. I don't like it when people confuse the word criticism as something negative, as if we are trying to find things to be critical of, meaning we're trying to find things that we hated about a movie. That's not what criticism means. It's an Mm -hmm. elaboration on why we feel the way we do. We want to come out of movies with a sense of elation. We want to talk about the positives. That's something I think gets kind of uh, misconstrued from an eye view, Uh, but that's, that's what we want. Well, here's the thing too, because I noticed when I talk to like family or friends about a movie I've seen, the first thing that most of them tell me right away is that, oh, I heard that movie did badly at the box office. Therefore, they think it's a bad movie. And no, the movie is and, no, de- definitely not true. Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah. Again, that goes back to marketing. Yeah, and I know this whole marketing right there too, and I try to like tell people like, no, it actually is a very good movie if you're in the right set mind frame to go see it. Because I was talking to someone about Hereditary, and they said, well, I heard that movie did really bad, and audiences didn't love it. And I'm like, well, yeah, the movie doesn't give certain... The trailers don't give certain things away because that would ruin the experience of the movie. Uh, and I try to tell people that if you go into Hereditary and not expect a fall horror film, you will enjoy it more than that. Well, let's also not forget that when it comes to topics like box office, I did say that you know marketability definitely yeah. comes into play for that, and that is 
But you know, certainly the case in certain ways. But a movie like Hereditary, going back to that example, did it do well in the ranking of the box office? I guess you can argue that. But the movie was a financial hit, and yeah. people don't mm-hmm. understand that there is, you know, how budget actually comes into play with that too. There yeah. are too many factors that general audiences may not actually be aware of, or even stuff that I, I wasn't even aware of. So thank you for that. So. I actually want to just uh, kind of go back to a little bit of what JD and you, Brandon, were touching on a bit before. And I do want to reiterate this because I think it's very, very important that people that are listening right now hear this. This is not an easy job. And if you Mm -hmm. think it is because you're watching movies and that's great, you enjoy watching movies and you want to get into this and do this. It is probably, especially if you are going to be um, like the head editor and manage people, it is the most difficult work you will probably do your entire life. I I just want to preface by saying that because this will like this kind of job really does test your your love for cinema. It really tests your patience (laughs) for cinema and it also Uh tests your patience and love for humanity to be honest uh, I, I, I mean yeah. that like in the nicest way possible but mm-hmm. the amount of reactions you receive from people people who because you do have a target kind of on your back as a critic that want to engage with you and like give you their two cents and you know th- there is a social responsibility factor that comes along with mm-hmm. it I mean there is a lot of components involved and yeah. I'll admit, you know, like I've had many talks with JD, especially in the early yeah. days about how to navigate through this because he had a couple of years experience on me. And now I've learned to kind of just trust my gut, be me, be open and honest and just do the best that I can and just don't listen to the noise. Because at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're just being true to yourself, I don't see how there could be anything wrong with that. You know, um, just be respectful towards others and be honest. Uh, with that mm-hmm. said, I, like I said, I'm just going to reiterate again. It's not an easy job. <laughs> yeah, it isn't. No, I I agree, and you know I think that's why you know clutching on to the heart of why we do this is so important, and, and it's probably why I am sentimental when I go to, you know to the movies, and you know and people give me a hard time for it, and I think that's perfectly fair. But you know, despite the you know the tediousness of some of the, the day-to-day stuff. And Matt's right. It, it is difficult, you know, and oftentimes you're doing a lot of work to put in, you know, a review, whether it's in podcast form or written form only for people to come back at you and go, that sucks, you know, and that stings, but you, you just kind of have to kind of push through that. And, and remember that at the end of the day, like I love watching movies. I love going to the theater to be moved and there's no one online is going to be able to change that for me. Um, I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, stick, you know, t- to what I, you know, what I like to do with films. I'm going to continue to articulate, you know, about films the way that I, <laughs> that I do. And, and like Matt was saying, just kind of be true to myself. And that's, and I think that's the best way, you know, to, to really get through this. Otherwise you're just, you're really, you're basically strapping cement to your, to your feet and jumping in upon somewhere. I mean, it's just, you'll, it's you'll way lie. too difficult. Yeah. You'll realize you're weighing over your head. For sure. Um, it's not as easy as it as it sounds. And I mean, like I said, like I go through this every single spring where I get a little burnt out and then I kind of remind myself, oh, man, but award season is right around the corner. I can smell it. I can taste it. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then those yeah. those movies do come out to your point, J.D., where I do see that one or that two. Or that ten, whatever it is, there are there is always going to be a handful of films every year that's going to remind me why I love the movies. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that should be worth it. That's what we look for, and hopefully yeah. it happens a lot more than we maybe even expect. You know what's also worth it? The friendships we all share with one another. I was waiting yep. for the corniest thing. That's where the awkward pause came from. You know Aww. what? Thanks. Thanks yeah. to you, Matt. I am turning this train around. You're not getting any bourbon from me. <laughs> Send over my way there, Brendan. All right, will do. All right. Matt, I do love you, though. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I love all you guys for actually opening up my eyes and well, mostly my ears 
to all of your thoughts and comments there. I have learned a lot from just listening to all of you. Um, I guess my last final question, and each any one of you can jump in, for people that are just starting up their own podcast or site, and they are serious about this, you know, they're commenting on other sites, and they're having, like, blogathons, or if they have the podcast, putting guests on there. We all want to get to that point where a blogger or a podcaster can start being invited to film festivals, or they can start getting screeners of movies to review, and I guess, what is your advice to have that happen? Uh, for me, I just contact people via, that's why I started off, I just contact people on Twitter, I see a trailer I like, and I start to connect with filmmakers on Twitter, and get connected with them through that. Uh, sometimes I got connected uh, from a filmmaker, from a guest, uh, Back when I did a podcast called As You Watch, I had on there a filmmaker, actually she was a critic for a PBS show, and I had her on our podcast to talk about the movie Heathers, and she said, well, hey, let you know, my teacher was the editor of Heathers, and so she got him to be on the show, and Mm -hmm. then a few weeks later, uh, one of my friends was in a trauma, trauma movie, and she got... Lloyd Kaufman to be on an episode, but I am just oh. curious here with you guys. I mean, how do you get connected with someone that has chance chance to give you passes for film festivals or screenings of movies? Well, and- let me let me just say for the record that if you're getting into this uh, and the holy grail, the be all end goal is to get into festivals or get screeners, uh, stop right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> that is not the reason why you should be doing this you know it's interesting because like i went to sundance this year um and yes i do get some screeners not all but i don't view it as like oh wow i'm going to the festival and like that makes me like a a league above people like i'm better you know because i get the screeners and oh look at me huh you know Mm -hmm. that's that's not that's not it if anything I see. I view it as an opportunity to free up my schedule, then <laughs> my weekends because I'll be able to yeah. see a movie maybe during the week or you know twenty five films over the course of a week at a festival, and then I think to myself, oh, think of all the free time I just you know bought myself. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for me it's a logistical thing, okay. uh, more so than anything. And at the end of the day, whether I had it or not is irrelevant. I'd still do it anyway. True. I would still do it anyway because I love it. And now how do people get connected? You get connected because if you want it to happen, you're going to find a way to make it happen. I wish I could say that there was a magic spell or something you could do that would just automatically make it happen for you one day. I used to think that there was... A, a way that that would happen, and JD knows this because I've talked to him about this before. Um, once I learned to let go of making that the goal, and I learned to focus on the things that were important, making sure I was creating a great environment for uh, my writers, my other fellow podcasters, making sure that my show had a high level of quality, making sure that the content that we were putting out was of quality. Guess what it then ends up happening? You start to get noticed, and then they, those opportunities will find you. It's going to take a Thank while, you. and that's something else we also have to know is that it won't happen overnight. But it is all about consistency, and at the same time, you have to mm-hmm. let that consistency roll because of the passion that drives you and not necessarily just the work ethic or that end goal in mind. It's going to take a lot of work ethic, but if you let it be fueled by your passion and love for this medium, that's what's going to help you develop – your voice, not not your voice yeah. in, as as in your presence in this community, but the way you interpret certain things within this medium will go noticed because it'll allow you to have your own outlook that people will associate with you, and that's what's help helps set you apart. Then it also helps to be in a big market. So move to L.A. or New York. Uh, that's my <laughs> advice. <laughs> or move to Chicago. <laughs> I, 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 I will vouch for that coming from New York. I, I will yeah. say yes, it, does, it is helpful because the networking, the networking piece is is key yeah. to that. It, it, it and that's been I, I feel like my biggest hurdle because I I've been able 
through persistency and and just you know constantly keeping in communication be able to establish relationships but even then because i live in a rather small film market that i'm not i'm not on the top of priority list for people so you know when screeners are available oftentimes i'm still having to reach out to people and you know and and try to seek you know seek out whatever is available so i'm i'm still being quite uh, active in those pursuits um you know being in miami it's it's nice because you know there are a few opportunities here but if you're and if you're in a similar camp as me if you're in a small market you just gotta you just gotta annoy the hell out of people. That's honestly what it comes down to. But you know, if if you're short in your emails, you're direct. Oftentimes, I feel like that's been effective. You know, and mm-hmm. and just keep working hard. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down down to. If you're doing quality work, people will recognize that quality work, and eventually, you'll work your way up. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you ever so much, gentlemen, for helping me out with the show. Loved all your inputs. That's why, see, that's why I have professionals like yourselves just come on the show and I can basically shut up and let you talk and you guys were great and perfect. I appreciate it so, so much for doing this with me here today. Um, I'll ask you this, gentlemen. Do you have time for a quick trivia round? <laughs> I mean, is, uh, is, it one, is it one round or? Yes, one round. I've got, oh, uh, one, one round. I'll one make round. time for that. Uh, it All sounds right. like JD won't be able to, unfortunately. Oh, no. Okay, well, yeah. JD, before you go, mm-hmm. tell the listeners out there what to expect over at the In Session Film podcast. Uh, well, over at In Session Film, uh, from uh, week to week, you can hear me beating up on Brendan verbally. Um, and by that, that has I'm happened one time this year. <laughs> no, most of the time I'm giving Brendan nice warm hugs and we cuddle and drink bourbon. That has also but... only happened one time <laughs> No, but we review a lot of films from week to week. We do top three lists. We have an extra film show we do on Fridays where we talk indie films. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, um, you can find everything about us at InSessionFilm.com. All right, very cool. Well, thank you so much, JD, for being on here with us. Uh, mm-hmm. great. And uh, tell listeners out there, too, You know uh, where else can they find you on like social media? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search in session film. You'll find us there. Uh, Our podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Uh, Again, we have links to everything at InSessionFilm.com, so that's where I would point you to. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. All right, so your trivia game is going to be this, Brandon and Matt. I want you to pick a genre, either horror, comedy, or uh, let's do fantasy. Which ones do you want? Not fantasy. So okay, we got horror and comedy. Let's do horror. Let's do I horror. was just going to think that. Yeah, good, good work, Matt. All right, horror there. All right, so I've got this app here. I'm going to put a movie, horror movie at random here. All right. We are going to do questions about the movie's child's play. Oh, my God. Okay. This okay. is going to suck. <laughs> All right, hold on here. Let me just load this up here. All right, all right. Skip that one here. Um, who plays Mike Norris? Mike Norris. Is, uh, no, no, no. He plays Charles Lee Ray. Um, oh, it's uh, he was from Fright Night. Um, uh, Jesus Christ. Sarandon. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Sarandon. Oh, yeah. uh, Matt got the point there. Yes, Chris Sarandon. Well, is very good. Hey, but, I mean, I would give it to Brandon. Brandon. He, he gave it to Sarandon, oh, which kind of helped. Okay, okay, all right, all right. So one point for Brandon there. Why don't we just split up the half a point between each of us? Then? There you go. Point five. Yeah, okay. yeah. Tie. What brand of doll is Chucky? Good guy. Ooh, good point there, Ooh, Brandon. Yes. Quick. Nice. All right. That's probably the only thing I actually remember from the movie. It's been years. All right. Uh, Aside from the name Sarandon. Question number three. All right. What is Chucky's full name? Oh, I said uh, before, Charles Lee Ray. Okay. Very good, Matt. All right. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. What good – number four. What good guy accessory does Andy receive for his birthday? Accessory that he receives for his birthday. 
Mm, the accessory. Uh... Oh, I really, I really don't, I really don't remember. Oh my god. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, can he? Put the... All right. Oh, I, I have a guess. I have a guess, but I'll just throw it out there. A battery pack. No. Okay. I was thinking that too because at some point he does obviously come alive and you know. Well, I'll, yeah. help, this. I'll help you guys out here. I'll give you, you know, there are options here, okay? So we have a fire truck, uh huh, a tool chest, mm. a hot air balloon, or pajamas. I almost feel like the tool chest, but I don't know if that's right. I, I really don't remember this, so I'm gonna just guess the tool chest. Tool chest is correct. Right. I wasn't gonna that. say anything because I I was leaning towards that too, but I didn't want to give him any hints if it happened to be wrong. <laughs> All right, number five. Who said this? This is the end, friend. This is the end, friend. Chucky? No. Okay. Uh, I have no idea. All right. Uh, it, it was it was uh, Andy. Yeah. Well, uh, I, okay. I should I should you know if it wasn't Chucky and he says this is the end friend it, it, like it's kind of I don't know I should I should have gone that. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Uh, now. <laughs> never sit. What is the name of the good guy's doll that is introduced on the TV show Andy watches? Wow. You're asking mm. me to go like, really way back now. Um, yeah, this is getting really in depth. Um, <laughs> hmm. right. Should I give you a list of choices here? Sure. Yeah, as long as I'm still winning, okay. I, I, I don't mind giving myself. <laughs> so the choices are spirit. Oscar, Chucky, Corky, or Buddy. Buddy. But yeah, sorry, you got it. Uh, okay, Brandon said Buddy, and no. Oh. It was a guess. I, I was. A, it was a good guess. What do you say? Uh, say it again. Oscar. Oscar. Chucky. Corky. What goal with Oscar? You are correct, Matt. Dang. All right. Very good. Uh, what does? The two sounded similar. They were trying to throw us off. <laughs> uh, number seven. What does Andy's mom, Karen? sell at the department store where she works. Uh, yeah. Uh, I need choices. Okay. Me too. Yeah, apparel, perfume, shoes, or jewelry? <sighs> shoes. Alright, Matt says shoes. Mm, I was gonna say... Alright, I was gonna say jewelry. Ooh, all right. Brendan wins that one. All right. Ah! Brendan's going to head here. Okay. Um, and number eight, where does Chucky tell Andy he comes from? I'll, I'll give you a list here, okay? The North mm -hmm. Pole, Neverland, mm -hmm. Over the Rainbow, or mm -hmm. Heaven? Over the Rainbow. Matt says over the rainbow. Incorrect. I was going to say, I thought it was heaven. Brandon is correct. Ah. All right, last two here. Where does Karen get the good guy's doll from? Oh, shoot. Um, like, it's, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, I do remember this. Um. It's like from a like from some guy. Uh, God damn it! Uh, what are the options? Okay, so we have she finds it in the garbage. Uh huh. A minute sale at the toy store. Uh huh. A mysterious shop in Chinatown. Uh huh. Or a peddler in the alley. Peddler in, peddler the, alley. in the alley. Yep. Yeah. Right. Matt's got that one there. All right. Um, and then what convinces Karen that Chucky is alive? The battery pack. The lack of a battery. Oh, yeah. Brandon. Yes. All right. That was it there, and right now, I think Brandon had the most right here, so Brandon, you're a winner. Woo! Brandon, yeah. That had, that had to have been pretty close, though, so that was, was nice close. work there, Matt. Yeah, it's very close there, yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much for being on this episode of Cinema Recall. Matt! Yeah. Tell the listeners out there, Matt, where they can find you, and what's coming up new on your shows. 
Well, you guys can all find me on the Next Best Picture podcast. That is the name of our show. It's on all of the podcasting networks. Um, it's part of nextbestpicture.com, which is our website. And pretty soon, you know, as we kind of come to the end of June now, first half of the year is ending. Second half will be beginning. We're going to start looking at the upcoming award season race. So if that is of interest to you, by all means, feel free to follow us over there at nextbestpicture.com. We will be tracking not just the Oscars, but also, too, we have the Emmys coming up very soon. We're going to be uh, doing some work on that. We just wrapped up, actually, the Tony Awards. So, I mean, we cover all aspects of award season. We do movie reviews. We do interviews with people within the industry. And a lot of uh, def- we do a lot of fun blog pieces, too. I mean, it's definitely um, a very eclectic group of people who you know contribute to the success of nextbestpicture.com and without them um it would not be what it is so huge shout out to my team over there and also to huge shout out to the community who have been very very supportive and have really helped us to get where we are i mean award season is a time of year where it it does bring a lot of us all together because it is a celebration of the art form and a celebration of the year collectively as a whole and whether or not you agree with the winners or not or nominees is kind of irrelevant when you know it, it's just an opportunity to bring everyone together and that i think that's been like a common theme on this show so i want to just highlight that that that's what we're all about is we're all about the community aspect over in nextbestpicture.com i thought it was a civil war so thank you for that insight there <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i know uh jd told me about things happening over in session film but maybe you can mm-hmm. give our listeners a little uh as your maybe bonus content that's coming up with uh, Intercession Film or maybe about your uh, Patreon page as well as you, Matt. Talk about your Patreon page as well. If you, I think you have a Patreon page for this picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's start with you, Brandon. I mean, let's, let's, what else is going on there with Intercession Film? Well, I can tell you about a few specific uh, movies and reviews that we have coming up on the docket. Uh, as JD mentioned, we have our small extra film segment that we do weekly as well, where we try and talk about some of the smaller films and even some of the indies that we don't have time for in the main show. Vern, you've joined us on a few of those shows. You talked about Six Balloons with me yes. uh, not terribly long ago, the Netflix film, and we had a great discussion there. So thanks again for joining me for thank that. You, thank you. Um, but our next episode, uh, we'll be talking about the documentary of Fred Rogers called Won't You Be My Neighbor, as well as the movie The Endless, uh, which just came out on Blu-ray, which I'm looking forward to finally catching up on. And when we get to the main show this weekend, we are going to be diving more into the more commercially driven films of that specific weekend. So we'll be talking about Sicario Day of the Soldado on that specific episode. I am apprehensive about this film, <laughs> to say the least, uh, but I love the first one. I do have have high hopes that Taylor Sheridan still has some great writing up his sleeve for that. So be on the lookout for those episodes, which you can find everywhere at InSessionFilm.com, as JD so eloquently put it earlier. Well, over on our last episode, we had on guest uh, Justin of Casual Cinecast Podcast uh, to mm-hmm. discuss our moments from Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. And on that episode, I mentioned I was going to hold what the poll was going to be for our upcoming episode until this one. But with Mission Impossible, I almost said Work Nation, and it's not. It's the uh, <laughs> the sixth Mission Impossible, sixth Mission Impossible film that yeah. the Tate Lions played to me for some reason. <laughs> uh, Fallout. Fallout, thank you. Yeah, so, so since we're, <laughs> since this is another TV show adaptation, our next episode, we want you to choose what is the best TV show to movie, and then we'll do an episode about our favorite moments from that movie. And your five choices are The Brady Bunch Movie, Adam's Family, 21 Jump Street, Charlie's Angels, uh, and then Dragnet. Wow. Where's the fugitive? I know, right? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking I, about I, that. I, I, I was also thinking, what about The Avengers from 1998 with Uma Thurman oh, and Ray Fiennes and Sean Connery? I, I, was I just, might as well start asking, where's Jackass the movie? I know, right? I know. It was, this was a tough choice because there's a whole bunch of movies out there. I figured Fugitive would have been too easy to pick. Everyone yeah, would have chosen I, I probably would have ran away with it, honestly. Yeah. So I wanted to choose ones that are good to maybe kind of bad and see what people choose from there. So those are your five choices. Oh, yeah, those are your five choices. So 
go onto the site, thatmomentin.com. The poll should be up within a day or so after this episode airs. But go on there, choose the movie you want to win, and then me and a guest will discuss our favorite moments, or maybe not-so-favorite moments, from that movie. Um, as always, you can check out all the episodes over on the site, thatmomentin.com. We share a podcast with a bunch of other great podcasts, including TV Good, Sleep Bad, Game Warp, and Asian Cinema Film Club. Uh, so definitely check that out. We're on Spotify, Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, most other places you can find podcasts. We're on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. Look us up on Facebook. Just type in Cinema Recall. Email, email us your suggestions, cinemarecall at gmail.com. I am The Vern. I'm going to be signing off. Big thanks again to Matt Natalia of Nets Best Picture Podcast. Definitely check them out at nestbestpicture.com. And of course, Brenton J. Cassidy over at Incession Film. You can find all their works over at incessionfilm.com. So thank you very much, gentlemen. I do appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Good night, everybody.